Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, this is going to be the Come Follow Me lesson for the Book of Mormon, lesson number 18, and it's going to cover Mosiah 11 to 17, and for the time period May, May 4th through the 10th. So we'll begin with uh, Mosiah 11, but first I want to give kind of an overview of what we're going to be reading about. First of all, King Noah's people became so wicked that the Lord sent a prophet named Abinadi to warn them of their destruction if they did not repent. These chapters give an account of the ministry of Abinadi and, re and record his testimony, which focused on the Savior Jesus Christ and his atonement. Elder Joseph B. Worthland said that the testimony of Abinadi bore as he, as he called an apostate King Noah and his priests to repentance is one of the most significant doctrinal discourses in the Book of Mormon. The king and his priests, except one, rejected Abinadi's teachings and had him put to death. That, was, that one was Alma. Uh, Elder Robert D. Hales of the Quorum of the Twelve taught, The firmness of Abinadi's faith is found in his poignant entry in the sacred record. And now when Abinadi had said these words, he fell having suffered death by fire, yea, having been put to death because he would not deny the commandments of God, having sealed the truth of his words by his death. What a powerful example Abinadi should be to all of us. He courageously obeyed the Lord's commandments, even though it cost him his life. And so as we get into the beginning of this, uh, this reading, we come across King Noah. Now, as I mentioned, Mormon is including the story of King Noah in here to show us the contrast between how a righteous king behaves with King Benjamin and how a wicked king behaves with King Noah. And then when we get a, a wicked king in place, it's very difficult to get rid of him, uh, except through bloodshed. And so... Uh, that's kind of the uh, what's going on here. Anyway, uh, Noah uh, lays a tax upon the people of about 20%. Uh, as we know, that 20% really wasn't a, a serious tax, um, but um, but it was the purpose for which the taxes were used that was the problem. Um, it's, this is a normal tax. In fact, in ancient societies, uh, it wasn't oppressive at all, but it was just the proper use of it was uh, was not right. Um, so let's see here. What else? Um, we talk about the priests here. What did they hold priesthood authority? We don't know for sure what they if they were consecrated by Zenith before King Noah took over. Uh, we know that uh, Alma must have had priesthood authority before this because he exercises it later on. Um, we we wonder. Um, Brother Nibley says, where did Zenith get his power to consecrate the priests? They came out of the land of Lehi Nephi, and Mosiah was in charge. He got it from Mosiah. Mosiah's authority was passed down from the beginning. He was Nephite too, and had it from Nephi. It came through that line. So apparently Mosiah had the priesthood who gave it to them to Zenith, and Zenith must have bestowed it upon uh, Alma, uh, and that he still had it while he was a priest, even though he wasn't uh, righteous at the time. Uh, so that's a possible source of where Alma got his priesthood because later on he's going to be baptizing and we kind of wonder how he does that. Um, anyway, verse 8, King Noah builds a lot of elegant and spacious buildings and these are for the purpose of government, not necessarily to bless the people. Uh, in verse 13, he causes many buildings to be built, uh, again, uh, for the for their purposes, to not for the people's necessarily. Um 
down to verse, um, let's see, verse uh, 20, it came to pass that there was a man among them whose name was Abinadi, and he went forth among them and began to prophesy. Now, if you'll notice the prophecies that he's giving here, um, it says, thus hath he commanded me, go forth and say unto this people, woe be unto this people, for I have seen their abominations and their wickedness, uh, and except they repent and turn to the Lord, behold, I will deliver them into the hands of their enemies. Verse 22, it shall come to pass that they shall know that I am the Lord their God and am a jealous God, uh, visiting the iniquities of my people. Uh, 23, except they repent and turn unto the Lord, they shall be brought into bondage. Um, and verse 25, except they repent in sackcloth and ashes and cry mightily to the Lord, they, uh, they will not be delivered. Uh, when Abinadi had spoken these words unto them, in verse 26, they were wroth with him and sought to take away his life. And when King Noah heard this, uh, which Abinadi had spoken, he was also angry and, and wanted uh, Abinadi brought before him. Um, but it says, I command you to bring Abinadi hither that I may slay him. Uh, verse 29, now the eyes of the people were blinded, therefore they hardened their hearts against the words of Abinadi, and they sought from that time forward to take him. And King Noah hardened his heart against the, the word of the Lord and did not repent of his evil doings. So Abinadi escapes and is able to get away for a while, but uh, then it mentions in chapter 12 that after two years have gone by that Abinadi came back. Now remember that they, he has preached repentance to them. They've had two years now to repent and uh so his his type of prophecy is going to be a little bit different. Before he said that except you do this, you'll be destroyed. You know, in other words, if you repent, then you'll be you you'll be spared. If you repent, you'll be okay. Uh, but now he's going to say uh, that the prophecy is these things shall happen. It's not. It's no longer a conditional prophecy. These are now unconditional prophecies that are going to happen. Um, and so he's going to. Um, Tell them a little bit different. Now, verse 1 mentions uh, that Abinadi comes forth in disguise. Now, why does he come in disguise? Uh, remember that, uh, that Abinadi's life is being sought. If he had come to the gate of the temple or gate of the city, uh, he may have been spotted and, and immediately killed before he got any further into the city. So by wearing a disguise of some kind, whatever that was, fake mustache or big nose or whatever it might be, uh, that he was able to get in, get further into the city so that he could actually speak to the king. So that so it's not a disguise necessarily so that nobody knows him. It's just so that he can get into the city further away because as soon as he gets in, um, you know, it, it mentions uh, that he tells them who he is right away. And so this is he, he's not doing this to hide or to to not be caught. That he wants to be caught. Um, but it says in verse 1 that they knew him not and began to prophesy among them, saying, Thus has the Lord commanded me, saying, Abinadi. So now he's telling them who he is, see? Um, he's already given his, he's thrown off his disguise right away. Um, and then he tells them what the, what the prophecy is. I will visit them in my anger. I will visit them in their iniquities and abominations. Verse 2, it shall come to pass that this generation, this uh, shall be destroyed. This, uh, they will be in bondage. Uh, they shall be smitten on the cheek. They shall be driven. They shall be slain. Uh, they shall, uh, the life of King Noah shall be valued as a garment in a hot furnace and so on. All of these things, verse four, it shall come to pass that I will smite this people. So this is not, uh, these are not happy words. And we know that, that anciently uh, when prophets came forth to uh, 
preached gloom and doom and, and these kinds of prophecies that it was considered treasonous and, and disturbing of the peace. And these, these, uh, those people that did that were punished unto death. And so this was considered to be uh, treasonous against the country and which was a capital offense. And so uh, they capture Abinadi, they bring him forth to the king. Um, and so he, um, he, he comes before them uh, and verse 19, they, the priests begin to question him. And they ask a question because uh, they know somewhat of the scriptures. Um, and so they're going to quote a scripture here from uh, the Old Testament. And the question has to do with, you know, I thought you were supposed to, when you come and prophesy, you're supposed to bring good tidings of great joy. Verse 21, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace. Uh, and so he, they're thinking you should be telling us good things that we're doing, not not all these gloom and doom and prophecies of destruction type things. And so that's the question that they're asking. Uh, but then when he gets down to verse 25, um, Abinadi says, are you priests and pretend to teach this people and to understand the spirit of prophesying and yet desire to know of this, what these things mean? And so now he's not going to answer the question right away, but he's going to do some teaching because he understands that that they're just not getting it, or at least they're teaching the people contrary to what they what they know is right. Uh, verse 30, know ye not that I speak the truth? Yea, ye know that I speak the truth. And so he's not answering their question directly. He won't do that until the next couple of chapters. Uh, but rather than do that, he's going to quote them the Ten Commandments first. Verse 35, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And so he's going to give them some education here to bring back to their memory the things which they already should know. Uh, chapter 13, they they begin to grab him um, and are going to take him off and kill him. King Noah tells him to go ahead and do that. But then in verse 3, he says, Touch me not, for God shall smite you if you lay your hands upon me, for I have not delivered the message which the Lord sent me to deliver. So we know that uh, prophets will be protected as long as they're... Um, as long as they have a mission to complete. And so here Abinadi knows uh, that his mission isn't over yet. Uh, he says, God will not suffer that I shall be destroyed at this time. In other words, he needs to finish the, the message that he's, he came to give that the Lord commanded him to bring. And so he knows that he can't be destroyed or can't be killed until that happens. And so he says in verse four, I must fulfill the commandment wherewith God has commanded me because I have told you the truth and ye are angry. And so uh, Noah is accusing God of being uh, mad when he says that uh, uh, Abinadi is mad. So uh, Abinadi then goes on to talk about uh, some of the history of the Israelites, about Moses. Um, and he says in verse 7, you see that ye have not power to slay me, therefore I finish my message. Uh, and so he's going to read to them from Isaiah um, in verse um, 12. Remember that I said unto you, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Again, reiterating the Ten Commandments. And he's going to go ahead and finish the rest of the Ten Commandments that he started. Um, down to verse uh, 28. Moreover, I say unto you that salvation doth not come by the law alone. So even after talking about the law of Moses, he's saying here that uh, it's the atonement of Jesus Christ that, uh, that will save us notwithstanding the law of Moses. And that was what the Nephites understood a lot better than those in, in the old world. Um, Verse 30, there was a law given them, uh, a law of performances and ordinances, uh, which they were to ob observe strictly. And that was to, rem to remind them of their duty. And it was really to point them toward the Messiah, toward the Savior, toward the atonement of Christ, which they, in a lot of cases, forgot. Chapter 14, then, uh, Abinadi is quoting from Isaiah chapter 53. 
And this is a, a wonderful testimony of Jesus Christ. And so that's what um, Abinadi is going to say. Verse 1, he says, uh, Doth not Isaiah say, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, Christ, shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And so here he's talking about the Messiah, the, the coming forth of Jesus into mortality. Verse 4, He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. All we like sheep have gone astray uh, as we turned everyone to his own way. It's interesting, isn't it, that in the Book of Mormon, all these prophecies, both of Isaiah and here of, of uh, Abinadi, are talking about Christ in the future as though he had already come. And that's uh, that's often done in the scriptures, uh, that, that uh, we know that the, the Savior's atonement had effect both prior to the atonement and after, and, uh, and it and affected everything from an eternal perspective. And so uh, that's what's, uh, what's what he's talking about here. So when he talks about the Savior, uh, all of these things that have already happened, uh, this is still yet in the future. Uh, it mentions it in uh, verse 10, how the Lord um, caused Jesus to be sacrificed, that he was the sacrifice, the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. And uh, that, that Elohim or God the Father saw that the work that Jesus had done with regards to the atonement and that it was satisfied. Chapter 15, Abinadi says, I would that you should understand that God himself shall come down, meaning that Jesus Christ was God before. He was Jehovah of the Old Testament and that he dwells in flesh. And uh, because he was conceived by the power of God and the son because of the flesh. So he's the father and the son and uh, and that he uh, accomplished the atonement because of being uh, born of a mortal mother and an immortal father, that he could do that. Uh, down to verse um, 6, after all working many mighty miracles, talking about the ministry of Christ, he would be crucified and slain, uh, this, and this, the flesh being subject to death, and the will of the, of the Son being swallowed up in the will of the Father, and that he does this so that he can uh, bring about the atonement upon uh, for the benefit of the rest of us. And now, beginning in verse 14, he begins to answer the original question that uh, the priests had asked him the first time. He says, These are they who have published peace, who have brought good tidings of good, who have published salvation, and said unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. And so now he's answering their question. Um, and he says, uh, in verse 21, There cometh a resurrection, even a first resurrection, yea, even a resurrection of those that have been, and who are, and who shall be, even until the resurrection of Christ. For so shall he be called. And he mentions the name here, and talking about the resurrection of the righteous at the coming of the Savior, uh, coming forth of the Savior in his resurrection. Uh, the resurrection, verse 22, of the prophets, all those that have believed in their words, they are raised to dwell with God, and these are they who have part in the first resurrection. Uh, also, 25, he mentions that little children also have eternal life. Uh, those that are not accountable will be held, will be raised up into the celestial kingdom, will be exalted in the celestial kingdom uh, because of the atonement of Christ. And then in verse 26, he's telling them to fear and tremble before God, for ye ought to tremble, for the Lord redeems, redeems none that rebel against him and that die in their sins. Uh, there is no second chance for those that have had an opportunity to know the gospel and, re and refused it. Down to verse 16, or chapter 16 of Mosiah. Um, here, uh, Abinadi uh, continues his talk. Uh, Christ brings about the resurrection again. He's talking about the resurrection of the dead. And then down to 17, Abinadi uh, basically finishes his talk. Uh, Alma believes in Abinadi's message. Uh, and he says that, um, 
you know, when the king says, let's put him to death, um, then in verse 2, there was one among them whose name was Alma. So this, this story of, of uh, Abinadi that we're getting is really more of an introduction to Al Alma, because Alma is going to be the one that we're going to read about mostly later. And so this is sort of an introduction to Alma. Um, so uh, Abinadi has been protected thus far, and now that he's finished these sayings, it says in verse 1, uh, the king commanded that the priest should take him and cause that he should be put to death. Now the king was, uh, and then when, when Alma steps forth and says that we shouldn't kill him, uh, what he's saying is true. The king is, is mad at Alma and they cause that uh, his servants should go after him and they, that they might kill Alma. And so he escapes and goes off into the wilderness. But uh, Abinadi is still a prisoner. He does not get out uh, and that they cause him to be put to death. Now it mentions uh, in verse 6, after three days, having counseled with the priest, he caused that he should again be brought before him. Abinadi, uh, it says, we found an accusation against you. And so Abinadi says in verse 9, I will not recall the words which I have spoken, for they are true. And I have suffered myself to have fallen into your hands. I will suffer even until death. And I will not recall my words. And uh, they shall stand as a testimony against you if you slay me. And now King Mosiah in verse 11 was about to release him because now he's afraid um, that, okay, if, if, uh, if what Abinadi is saying is true, and that uh, my life is now in danger too. Maybe we should just let him go. But the priests are ones that lift up their voices, it says in verse 12, and say that he needs to be killed. And so then uh, King Noah says, okay, let's let's send him off. Now it mentions here uh, in verse 13, it came to pass that they took him and bound him and, and scourged his skin with faggots even until death. Now, um, I won't go into the description here that Hugh Nibley gives about what that means, but it's uh, a pretty brutal um horrible way to die, uh, that they scourged him uh, with um, with something to cause him to die. And, and then it mentions in verse 14 that the flames began to scorch him. He cried saying um, that uh, however I die, this is going to be how you die too. Um, but then he, um, it mentions in verse uh, 19, O God, receive my soul. So Abinadi has finished his mission. He's given up his life for his testimony and uh, and that testimony will be in force and so these things that are going to happen to the lick to the Nephites uh, has been sealed up because of Abinadi's testimony. Now Abinadi also serves as a type of Christ. Uh, there's lots of similarities between Abinadi and Jesus. Both are both called the people to repentance. In both cases the people became angry at their preaching. The people they taught tried to kill them but they were delivered out of their hands. Both were bound and taken to the king. Abinadi was judged by a council of priests. Jesus was judged by a council of chief priests, scribes, and elders. The priests tried to catch them in their words. Both rebuked the religious leaders. King Noah said Abinadi was crazy. Many of the prophets, or many of the people said Jesus was crazy. Abinadi quoted from Isaiah's prophecies of the Savior, and then Noah had him killed. Jesus quoted from Isaiah's prophecies of the Savior, and then the people of Nazareth tried to kill him. Uh, Abinadi spent three days in prison. Jesus spent three days in the tomb during which he preached to the, to the spirits in prison. Both taught that Christ was God. Both allowed themselves to be arrested. Both willingly suffered death. 
Both were innocent of wrongdoing. In both cases, the political leader was willing to release them. Both were accused of treason. Both were scourged. Both died while praying for the reception of their soul. And both sealed their testimony with their blood. So as often is the case, uh, we have prophets that are also types of Christ. And Abinadi here is a good example of a type of Christ. I bear testimony to the truth of these things. And again, that this is uh, that the Book of Mormon is true. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. See you next time. Bye.